Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts, Gina Vensel and Elizabeth Sheldon. This is our premiere episode of The Vine, and today we're featuring Doug DeStasso, the executive director of the Veteran Cannabis Project. Hi, Doug. Hey, everybody. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you so much for your time today. We wanted to just dive right in and ask you, how does a 21-year Air Force commander become involved with cannabis? That is a fantastic question that I try to explain all the time around this country as the executive director, and I'll do my best with it uh, right now. So after 21 years, you can imagine there was plenty of uh, trauma, plenty of um, interesting things that happened in, over that time period. Well, the most interesting thing that happened was at the end, I hurt myself in an airplane accident, and it caused me to reevaluate many things in my life. And to make a, a long story shorter, I ended up at the Pentagon as an active duty lieutenant colonel, promoted to colonel, and wanting to continue my career, but unable to do so because of what I believe was the combination of medicines I was on, plus the fact that I was you know, severely beat up from an airplane accident. So after about three years of intense rehab, and as I mentioned, different medications and, and cocktails of meds, we, we being my wife and I, decided that it just wasn't making me better. I wasn't, I wasn't finding the relief that mm-hmm. I saw other people getting, or I wasn't finding the relief that I personally needed to continue on that path. So having, you know, a residency here near DC and access to some really incredible other veterans who had already used this to transition themselves, I got involved in cannabis because I used it, because it was something that helped me feel better helped me get off of all these other opiates and things that I talk about quite often and become what I hope is a better person now who uses cannabis to mitigate whatever it is that's going on. Would you say that when you first started your journey with cannabis, that there was a lot of stigma around using the plant, especially being a veteran? Uh, You know, honestly, I would say that there is still an incredible amount of stigma, even now, as somebody who's transitioned off of it and is using it and and living what I believe to be a much healthier lifestyle. Not only at the beginning was there stigma, because nobody I knew obviously used this plant. Certainly nobody knew much about it. Active duty or, you know, the Veterans Affairs folks, any of my doctors, nobody could really give me tremendous guidance. So that alone is an access and a stigma problem. Um, But yes, I would say back then there was quite a bit of stigma. I'd like to think it's gone away a little bit with all the legalizations and the the work that lots of great cannabis groups do around the country, but it's still there and, and still pretty ugly. And we'll probably get to that as we go. So Doug, I also, can veterans use cannabis legally? If you are a veteran and you are in a legalized state and you go use this medicine, you are under that state law allowed to use it. The problem becomes if you're a veteran, if you want federal benefits, and you know, I, I, I hear a lot about how 
things have changed and it's better, but every day we get lots of um, emails. So the, the, the blunt answer to your question is yes, you can use it if you're in a legal state and you're comfortable um, giving up some of the protections. Like you can't work for the federal government and use it. And working for the federal government is a huge positive because there are some some uh, benefits that veterans get in applying for employment there. So if you if you have a comfortable civilian job and you're living in a legal state and it's helping you, I always encourage people to at least give it a try. But it, there's nothing easy about it, and there's nothing that really harmoniously transitions you from anything you've been on or helps you transition into the questions you may have if you're about to use this medicine. Well, because you told me a story the other day about a vet who was driving through Alabama. I actually went back and read the story um, who is facing, you know, time in jail. He went to jail, he's back and forth. Here was, um, you know, he had his medical card and he was driving through a state with his medicine. I mean, tell us more about that. How can that happen today? So that's a great question. And I appreciate you asking it because that's one of the things that we fight daily for at the VCP is, you know, the access to this medicine. You'll hear me say that a lot. And, and access can be taken in many ways, right? They could outlaw it in the town you're in, even though it's legal in the state. Price can be an access problem and location obviously is an access problem depending on the laws. So in this particular incident, we had someone with a card with um, a known uh, reason to have cannabis. He had it all labeled in his car with his spouse, with his children, and was driving through a state that is not as friendly. Uh, he was playing air guitar from what I'm told, and that was reason enough for him to be suspiciously looked at. Now, the details become obviously cloudy once you get to this point because it's, um, you know, who's telling what story to who, but I'll leave it at this person had all of the proper paperwork, to my knowledge, had all of the proper reason to have this on his car. And because he was going through a state that was illegal, he was pulled over and is facing the consequences you pointed out. Now, the tragedy is, I don't think anyone would want a veteran who is using this effectively to suffer this fate. But because of the status as a Schedule One drug at the federal level, there's really not a whole lot anyone can do to stop situations like this from happening. Because even in a legal state, we still have a federal prohibition on the plant. And so at the VCP, you know, this is one really tragic story that we're working on hard right now to kind of get awareness to so we can help this veteran out. But more importantly, we get many, many emails every day about the discrepancy state to state, state to federal, and even within a state when people go to different places, they're treated differently. And so what is this man's ultimate fate? I, I read that he was in jail, then he went back to Arizona then the judge called him back. Then he he basically became homeless because of this. Yeah, I think, you know, the ultimate fate we hope is that somebody sees clear to let a struggling veteran with PTSD out of his nightmare. You know, we would right. hope that would be the ultimate. Right. 
I I think the ultimate right now is getting him back to his home. I, I, I don't know exactly where he is in the process. As we at the VCP, while we try our best, we don't have the resources to do the types of things that would be required in a situation like this. And I'll give you an example. You know, we're a we're a C4, so we do mostly advocacy, and we've done many, many states that we could talk about. But really, we see the need for a federal fix, right? And and the reason it needs to be federal, and I'll keep pointing this out, is because it's a Schedule One, And because it's a Schedule One and has no known medical benefits, and because it has no known medical benefits, we aren't allowed to even test it to see if it's you know, good for people. And then that's a whole nother conversation. What happens with the federal government and, and cannabis? I think that's probably well known. Um, back to sort of the, the information on the individual who's incarcerated at this time, I think we just need to raise awareness. I think this is like anything else. When the, when the folks in each individual jurisdiction understand what it's doing for their veterans, understand uh, the popularity with veterans and how much it means to them to get off these opioids, alcohol, and other substances, uh, I, I believe people will change the laws and they'll be more accepting of this plant that, you know, is really just that. Yes. And I wonder how the pandemic could also affect this. I and mean, we've seen in so many state by states that have medical cannabis that it's been deemed essential and allowed to be a business open alongside pharmacies this whole time. And with our country going into a deficit over having so many businesses be closed that were not deemed essential, I'm curious about how the federal government may react to how cannabis can support, you know, our, you know, everything moving forward, you know, not just our health and wellness, but, you know, even the finances of our states and, and our federal government as well. Sure. I, I mean, you know, at the Veterans Cannabis Project, the board and the team there, we're we're constantly discussing ways to sort of get the positive benefits of cannabis out into the open. And you mentioned a few of them. You know, tax revenue alone uh, is helpful. Certainly, if you understand that with any medicine, you're going to need some public health component, right? I think it's important that that goes towards that to enforcement of a good product to making sure that all of this is is wellness and isn't, you know, whatever whatever the dark side of wellness could be. Uh, when you get a black market, you get people illegally introducing, you know, things that shouldn't be in there. So from the tax advantages to something that really gnaws at my heart that I'd like to mention now is we're all facing the pandemic together. We're all facing a tremendous amount of strain even prior to that as veterans. And what we want to say is, you know, rather than getting rid of a viable option that may help you with the mental health pandemic that inevitably is just bubbling under the surface of the actual pandemic that we're living under from COVID, I, I think it's important to recognize that you need all medicines available. So that would be number two, tax revenue, the mental health pandemic. And then the third one, as we all know, we have a criminal justice problem with cannabis. If yes. if people who have their, you know, full card are just trying to travel through a state, you know, trying to live their lives, are going to end up with multiple jurisdictions where they don't know whether they're going to be taken to jail for five years for a half an ounce or whether they're going to get a $25 fine. Like here in Virginia, we're proud it's been decriminalized. 
So you can see that disparity just isn't fair for anyone because the odds of you getting pulled over, right, are about equal, it would seem. And so if, if just randomly being pulled over could land you in jail for an extended amount of time because you have a legal medicine from the state you abide in, I, I struggle to see how that's helping anybody out in our society. Agreed. And, you know, since your day job is working uh, with legislators and uh, in government affairs, I always like to ask you about what you're seeing, what's happening um, around uh, on the Hill. And uh, I particularly want to ask you always about safe banking, if you could just, you know, tell us what you know about that, but anything else too that you see moving or not? Sure. So, well, I, I, unfortunately, I think that's the way I was going to, was going to answer that is I normally don't mind making some form of prognostication just because we get a lot of interaction with legislators and departments of health around the country and that, but I would say in this particular instance, with the country facing the pandemic we just talked about, with sort of the impasse in Congress, with an election coming up very soon. And really, if you look at the disparity between what's coming out of the House of Representatives and what's coming out of the Senate, on um, not just you know funding of our government, but sort of the approach to cannabis, I don't think there's anybody who can give you a real good prediction at this point. You know, if you were to comb through the different uh, things put forward, whether it's the MORE Act or HEROES Act or whatever it is, you can see that there are just plain differences in the beliefs about cannabis. And those differences don't always fall, you know, down a party line, but a lot of times recently they have been, which brings me to kind of, you know, I guess the, the hopeful piece of, of this, since I can't give you a great, you know, update on any of it. I just don't, I don't think anybody knows with the way the country's governed at this moment. Uh, the, the thing I would mention is we as veterans realize that it's our job to take this case to legislators and do these direct action missions that we try to do as often as possible to let them know that this is real. This is helping people. This is going to be, a you know, as we were mentioning earlier, a possible tax revenue. We can get rid of a lot of incarceration levels. I mean, I see it as a multiplier to this economy that's going to eventually prove itself out. But that's only assuming we have, you know, the, the right access to it, that we let people actually enjoy it with the freedoms they enjoy elsewhere and actually grow it into an industry that can be sustainable. Sorry, I don't have any great prognostications, but man, no, it's just really a mess. I, I always right like now. hearing from you. So, I wanted to, and Gina, you chime in if if you think of something else to add on to that. But um, we've talked sometimes about how groups approach the hill, and um, you know, let let's just take normal for example. And I feel like um, we sometimes you have to know your audience, and you have to approach your audience in a certain way. And um, we've talked about how some of these groups maybe are, are doing us uh, a disservice with the way that they present information to the Hill. So can you expand on that a little bit or am I in touchy territory? No, I don't think you're in touchy territory. I think 
um, you know, the discussions we've had, and, and we talk a lot about it at the VCP too, because we want to be the organization that, you know, can can talk to anybody and can and can find favor with whoever it is through the strength of our argument. Now we realize that you know anything in life isn't just um, you know the last five minutes. There's historical legacies and everything. So to answer your question, we we um, we believe that everybody has a role, and you know legislators are necessarily from across the spectrum of people, and what we find is everyone has some personal connection to this plant, if you can dig hard enough. And I, you know, whether it's a Republican center or a Democratic House member, the reason that they're even letting you in there to talk is because they probably have some familiarity with it. Now, when you're talking, you know, folks in the House who are, who have, you know, smaller geographic areas to look at, and those geographic areas are very hard hit by cannabis legalization or lack thereof, it's very easy to see that you need to explain the problem to the legislator in the way that they're going to understand. And so to your point, where we have focused largely because we knew nobody was, is the Republican side that doesn't understand it. You know, a lot of people aren't just innately um, oblivious to things and they just they, they don't they don't ignore it just because they're evil vile people vile people they have other things that take up more of their mind and so we feel that as the vcp we can go in there and make the argument that look the, the people you're talking to didn't touch this plant for 20 25 years by necessity you know in the case of many of us and so when we tell you that we're using it we're not just making something up. We're not just trying to, 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 you know, get high, I think would be the moniker that is most used up there by the conservative faction. That's not the point. The point is healing. The point is wellness. And the point is getting off of all the other alternatives. And that's the last thing I'll say. We focus very hard on the people we focus on because things like alcohol, prescription opioids, other prescription drugs are acceptable in, in that land where other things are not, such as cannabis. And we like to show them that cannabis is a medicine, it's wholly natural and comes out of the ground where they wouldn't expect military officers to come in the door and, and tell them that. We think that's been very successful from us. Whereas if you come in and, you know, you don't, you don't present the problem as something that is that is getting off of opioids and and i mean i get every activist passion but i just think you need to play to the legislator's ear yeah i totally and for, agree and in pennsylvania i attended lieutenant governor john fetterman did a cannabis listening tour at every single county in pennsylvania and i attended a few of these and it was a way for the legislators to go to the communities and ask the general public what they feel about medical cannabis and how they would feel about it becoming legalized in pennsylvania and i went to i think two or three of these stops along the tour and each tour that i stopped on and, and attended the event there was nearly a unanimous vote for legalization of cannabis. But it reminds me of this one woman who was a veteran and she raised her hand and she spoke up in front of all the legislators and she talked about how because how expensive the medical marijuana is that she was forced 
to go back on opioids because she needed to be able to seek her medicine directly from the VA hospital. So I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because once cannabis would be federally legalized, wouldn't that allow the VA to be able to assist veterans by the use of, of plant medicine like cannabis? And will they pay for well, it? That, and will they well, pay for it? Our, <laughs> well, well, that's our hope, right? I mean, at the end of the day, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, access to this medicine can be stymied by all kinds of reasons. Even if you have the perfect law and the perfect uh, location and the perfect ideas behind it, if, if the marketplace isn't robust enough to drive prices down, then you're going to have this. And I, I, I always bring up my veterans out in California who face a lot of this too, right? They, they've been a legal state for a long time, and I won't try to speak for them, but, you know, under, the, under Prop 64 that they use out there, localities can sort of switch off whether or not they want cannabis in their territory. So you could be locked out by price, or the city council just decides they don't want a dispensary anywhere near their town, so they push it out to where you can't get to it. And, and the point there is, we're, ta we're talking about disabled veterans, right? I mean, in large part, we're talking about folks who probably can't work anymore, right? I mean, disabled doesn't just mean that they, you know, that they, 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 it means all kinds of things, I guess. And, in, and if you're not watching access, then you're not really doing a very good job for them. So I agree the the price we hear as much as anything, you know, people write in and say, dear VCP, I've found this medicine. It's fantastic. It's been working for me, but it costs $400 every week and my paycheck will not make it that far. So I'm having to go to the black market, which just breaks your heart. And I don't, I don't have fantastic answers on that. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a cannabis economist, although I you know, try to pay attention to it. I think the, the, the answer there to me is to be able to home grow it, but that's a whole different discussion that we could get into. Absolutely. And I think that that's a really good point. You know, if, if veterans have the ability to home grow, that that could definitely help with the expense behind it. I just hope that we someday can live in a space where we have all these hardworking veterans that fought for our country, that they could come home and, and seek support right from the VA for plant medicine and not have to rely on medicines that are covered by their insurance, like opioids, because so many of the veterans that I've talked to have suffered more from the side effects of the opioids than anything that, you know, whatever be compared with cannabis. And we know cannabis can help with any ailment that you get from a lot of side effects from opioids. So in Pennsylvania, we actually, you know, opioid addiction is listed as a medical condition to get your medical marijuana. So, you know, I definitely feel that, that this is something that I'm extremely passionate about. I know Elizabeth is, and it just means a lot to us that you would come on and be a part of our premier podcast, because this is something that we see as just a really important point to why we need to focus our efforts nationally on, on ending the, the stigma around cannabis use and also talking to our legislators about how we want to end prohibition once and for all. You know, even if tomorrow we waved a magic wand and the Department of Veterans Affairs had the ability to, I'll, I'll do an air quotes, figure this out and, and get get veterans cannabis medicine, we know that the wheels of that would take forever, right? I mean, we just know that 
that that the wheels of the government are going to take a long time to turn, especially if you're talking about giving veterans something that's an alternative that you know is class one or schedule one right now. Now, what I like to do is I like to point to Canada where they're doing similar actions to this, right? They are letting veterans actually use cannabis instead of some of those other uh, drugs that we're talking about. So there's precedent for this out there. And I just have to believe, you know, like you two are sharing, there is such an overwhelming majority for this. I mean, something like 90% of Americans believe that veterans should have access to this. I mean, you can't get 90% of people to agree on anything. That's true. And so it just seems obvious. But, you know, again, where it seems obvious, there's an access problem, I guarantee. I was thinking a lot about what you said, too, about, you know, just disabled veterans being able to get their medicine. And I think a lot about how a lot of the medical states have caregiver programs. And in PA, because of the pandemic, you know, if you were a caregiver prior, you were only allowed to have up to five medical marijuana patients that you were allowed to have. But now, because of the pandemic, they've allowed for you to have as many patients as you want. And I see how if this would continue, and if they would allow this to to move forward, then this opens up the ability for folks to be able to have caregivers bring their medicine to them. Right now, it's been very, very difficult. You know, you, you'd have to be bedridden, be home. And it was, a, it was a tricky process for many people to even find a caregiver. But I'm hoping that that might be a little bit of the silver lining is that if, if the caregivers are available and, and have the access to have as many patients underneath them as possible, that there might be the ways to even, you know, just support even more veterans by getting them their medication uh, in a safe way. And Doug, is it worth um, talking a little bit about what you're doing with Cureleaf and and you know how they're giving back to vets um, with the program. Sure, sure. I think you know their their efforts and and what Elizabeth is referring to is in uh, in the states. Uh, most of the states where we have dispensaries for Cureleaf, they have been incredibly generous and have uh, agreed to give us a portion of the proceeds they make. And we turn that portion into advocacy to make the change that we're talking about here. Usually, um, we're, we're working on, as I said, the federal level, but we did have quite a number of state campaigns this year where we, where we tried to move the ball along. But um, thanks to their generosity, we're able to really get after this and you know prior to the pandemic we had some great plans we were going to do stuff at south by southwest we try to gain awareness in various locations that think are going to turn over in virginia we had some success this year um as i was mentioning earlier and so you know none of that can be done without the support of the industry without the support of those around us so we feel very fortunate one thing i'd mention too is in massachusetts we had uh, Mass Fallen Heroes get a portion of that proceeds as well. And Mass Fallen Heroes is a local C3 that takes care of, uh, obviously, the families of those who have, who have perished during service. And so um, when we get to team up the advocacy wing of the cannabis industry um, and the sort of giving wing of the cannabis industry, it's a really effective tool to get people to understand that this isn't just some medicine that we're trying to slink off in the corner and use and enjoy ourselves. This is really something that's about a community of people 
that want to help each other and and find that path forward. And so um, when we're talking about caregivers, I think that's incredibly important. Like uh, I wouldn't be able to make it anywhere without my caregiver, my spouse helping me out. Now she can't help me in the cannabis lane. We're, we're, we live in Virginia again, but what, what she can do is support me on this journey. And there are many veterans who have no support at all. So I think the more we can put disabled veterans under known caregivers for cannabis, we're going to do better for ourselves. That's a program we need to work more on, I think. Yeah, I'd love to run a huge one in Virginia. In fact, we've been kicking around how we would do that. You know, if we could find a space and we could get the resources, it'd be a wonderful thing to teach them to grow. You know, if every state had a centralized, you know, caregiver training regime, and then you taught them how to grow. And it's, it's when you talk to people who are serious about this, this is the last thing I'll add, I'm sure you guys have more questions, is, is it's not just smoking the plant. Right. You can use the leaves for great things. You can you can blend the stalks. You can have all kinds of pieces of this plant can be used for good and can be used for industry and can be used for getting people back on their feet. So it's silly to think of this as just some simple tool of opioid reduction or, you know, people who want to sleep better at night. This is a full range of of industrial and medicinal uses that's good for everybody. I'm glad you brought that up. You're absolutely right. And I'm thinking about, you know, listeners that we have that may work for a grow, may be interested in just becoming a partner in some way. And I see here on your website that you do have a partnerships page. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that if you're interested in learning more, that you visit vetscp.org to get to the Veterans Cannabis Project. And if you click on their partnerships page, you can create right there, there's a form that you can fill out and you could get your business or organization to become a partner of the Veterans Cannabis Project. And so at that, Doug, I'm really interested in how additionally we can help you. You know, we have so many different listeners that are going to be coming from various parts of the cannabis space, some that are just kind of curious, some that are advocates, some that are yearning for ways that they can give back and support one another. What are some ways that we can support the Veteran Cannabis Project moving forward? I think the biggest ways forward is just to let us know you're out there. If you write in and we have petitions on the website, um, we have ways to share stories when there's, you know, somebody, and look, you know, we've talked about veterans a lot, but we're not so naive that this doesn't impact spouses. This doesn't impact families. This doesn't impact, you know, the, the, the parents of veterans are probably dealing with a lot of veterans coming back home beat up as well. So I think the thing that really moves the needle and the greatest help is to see a breadth of people on this and to see a breadth of people writing in who shared their story because what that does for us is when we're having, you know, whatever whatever discussion it is with whatever legislator, and we can say, look, here are the 10 people, 50 people, 200 people, 2,000 people in your state who are saying this exact same thing, that really, really means something. It, yeah, I mean, it changes legislators' minds, yeah, versus Doug or Nick or any number of our uh, direct action folks or board members going out there and having the one-on-one. If I'm from Virginia, Virginian legislators will listen to me, hopefully. 
But that doesn't mean that Maryland legislators or Alabama legislators or Mississippi legislators will. And so we feel it's key that those places, especially the ones that have no access now, continue to write in and complain about it. I mean, I, I for for lack of opening this up, I you know, I would I would believe that of the over twenty veterans who commit suicide a day. I would wager that you could capture a few of those by getting them off all the meds they're on and onto cannabis. It's not a panacea. It is not the solution to every problem out there, but it is certainly a better option than many of the things we know we're on. So that's what I'd say. Help sign the petitions. Let us know we're out there and then spread the word. I mean, this is, there, there are a lot of great organizations that are doing that. And if you're not a veteran, and, and you want to become part of that, don't let it stop you. We're, we're more than happy to take everybody on who wants to see these laws changed. So the way to do that is to go, like you say, go on your site, sign the um, petition and, and write in your stories. You can always give, you know, that always helps too. Okay, yeah. excellent, excellent. Uh, the, the last thing too, and I think it's still up. Um, I will have to check with my team, but we will we can report this back. We we've been trying to do a national petition to just let everybody know, and so you could text vet v e t to five two eight eight six. I'll have to make sure that it's still accumulating. Obviously, COVID has hit everybody hard, to include us. But those are the types of things we try to make it easy because when you write in, when you tell us where you are, you input your information, that automatically goes into our database that allows us to tell people just how many advocates they have in their in their area to come out and, and support this. Text to vet 52886. Yes. Great. And then also I see a donate button on the website too. So if you just Google Veterans Cannabis Project or visit vetscp.org, you'll be able to learn more about Veterans Cannabis Project, the amazing work that they're doing, and also be able to create partnerships and donate right there on the website. So is there any final remarks or anything we didn't touch yet on that you would like to speak about? This has been such an incredible conversation and something that I can't wait to share with so many people. Uh, I think the last thing I would say, and Matt, thank you so much for having me on here. It means a lot to get this word out, especially in the middle of a pandemic and being locked down. I know there's a lot of despair out there, but what I always like to share is um, when I had my accident and when this took hold of me, this, you know, this problem that I've, I've been dealing with with cannabis, I like to say that I was at the top of my game, right? So I was actually doing pretty well in life. I had a, a family, uh, I, you know, I, I had a military career. I had options that, you know, a, a 42, 43-year-old would, would have in order to transition. The people that we really need to focus on and the people who we're losing and the people who we have really abused are not me. They didn't start in a place where they can make a recovery as easily. And I think if people would realize that, that we're asking young men and women to go out and to fight for their country and to potentially see and, and be faced with some really, really tough things, we need to realize that any available option to treat them needs to be used. It's, it's quite frankly, to me, it's tragic that we wouldn't open our eyes to this. Even if 10 people could be fixed by this, we still haven't found a lot of harm out of the cannabis plant, and there's been a lot of study on it. 
So my argument is always, if, if you don't have any feelings either way on it, then please support us and find a vet to talk about with it because you'll support after talking to us. And yes. don't assume that, that, that this is something that's going to heal itself. I mean, we know that the, the VA was the largest prescriber of opioids for many, many, many years. So it doesn't change around overnight. And the types of people are vulnerable already, right? Vulnerability should not be taken advantage of. We should work tirelessly to solve that problem for those people. And I think we have a pretty clear answer here. I agree. I think so, too. And I hope that if we can get cannabis federally legalized, that there will be a way that veterans can get safe access through the VA and have an affordable option outside of traditional opioids and other medications that they may be on. And it really takes each of us to care and to do the research and to speak with others and to even if it's something that doesn't affect us personally, or maybe we don't even have a veteran in our personal circle or family, but this is something that affects all of us. You know, we're living in this country and, and, and there have been so many folks that have fought hard for us and we need to ensure that we care about their safe return as well as their safe wellness. Um, and, and that in, is something that we feel is a plant medicine uh, project mission is to use you know, our podcast, our blog, and our partnerships to really help raise awareness about how plant medicine can help others um, on their journey to wellness. So thank you again, Doug, so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. You are a hero, and I thank you for your service. Ladies, I tell you, it's really, um, you know, organizations like this, they're, they're, they're just invaluable to us because, you know, everyone at the VCP is doing the VCP and then, you know, whatever else they can in life to get by. So the more people that we have smartly going after plant medicine, it's just the better the world's going to be. So thank you too for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. We're so excited for our very premiere episode of The Vine, a plant media project podcast, and you can join us for more episodes coming soon. And for all things Plant Media Project, visit plantmediaproject.com.